This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome to Dystopical, a debate and a reflection on what matters to queer women in the community. On tonight's show we're talking to Kate LaFoe, a writer and director of Queer Films, about her take on lesbian films and the process of filmmaking. Hi Kate. Hi. Thanks for coming along and of course, hi Farine. Hello. Now obviously we can't relate the views of all queer women, so um, because everyone, all of us have different experiences, backgrounds, we come from um, you know different um, life paths I guess so dystopical will always be from our point of view and our honest point of view so if your view thoughts or experiences are different from ours or you think uh, things are should be different um, or just that our views are plain ridiculous <laughs> then write write in and um, tell us what you're thinking and if you do want to write in you can text us during the show on 0427 joy 949 you can Facebook us at dystopical which is D-Y-S-T-O-P-I-C-A-L that's right become our Facebook friend <laughs> you can always email email us at dear.dystopical at gmail.com or dystopical at joy.org.au now I understand that before we talk to Kate we're actually going to play some music of Kate's choice. Welcome back. Um, so we've just been listening to a couple of Kate's picks um, earlier. So that was his Dirty Gold with California Sunrise and Metronomy. Is that how you say it? Kate? I think so. Metronomy. Um, everything goes my way. Thanks for picking those out. All right. So just a little introduction to Kate. Um, so you've been in the, the film scene, I guess, for a little while now. Um, you debuted with Under Pressure. Um while studying film at the Victorian College of the Arts, um, which you completed in December 2010, um, which has actually met with really great success, I think, um, and has screened at numerous film festivals worldwide, um, including here at the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, um, Outtakes in New Zealand, and the Toronto LGBT Film and Video Festival. Um, And any updates on that? Did you... Was there a, a prize or something? I can't remember that you won. Or, um, or it was an horrible mention or something similar. <laughs> we just um, played at the Warburton Film Festival, which is part of the Yarra Rangers Film Society, um, and it was highly commended. Oh, so that that wasn't a queer film festival. No, it wasn't. So oh. it was quite um, interesting to see it break out beyond the queer niche. And did you and did you know how it was received? Did you go and and see it there or? Um, yep, I was there for the screening um, and talked to a lot of the society and the people, and it was quite uh, it was quite well received yet mm. yeah it is interesting to see how queer films sort of play out to um primarily straight audiences i suppose mm. All right. well, did you find it really different oh i should point out we haven't mentioned it that it's a short film and it was played um as part of oz shorts um and do you find that um that that short film going audiences are, are different in any way um, that's a good question. Certainly in a short film, you've only got a very limited period of time in which to introduce your characters to the audience and to get your um, story across. So um, I guess that you don't have the length of telling a story 
obviously, in the same way that you would um, with a feature-length film. So there's more pressure, and I think certainly writing a short film is very different from writing a feature-length film. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about queer films and the ones that... uh Oh, you know, that have been important to us or you and ones that we liked, didn't like. Or ones that have been incredibly popular and, you know, we can't figure out why. In some <laughs> oh, cases, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I remember one of my, I guess, the films that was kind of a mainstream film at the time but was a bit of a, you know, cult film, a bit tongue-in-cheek, was But I'm a Cheerleader. Do you guys remember watching that ever? Yes. Look, yeah. I've seen bits of it and I obviously know all about it. I feel like I've seen it but I, I haven't actually seen it. It all, the whole way through. So you haven't actually seen it? No, not uh, the whole thing. Okay, cool. Um, so for those of... <laughs> that was a long way of saying no. Okay, so for, for those of our um, listeners that haven't seen But I'm a Cheerleader, first of all, I think, go and see it. But um, I'm a Cheerleader is like a, it's a, a sort of a funny, cute lesbian love story um, played by... Um, so the cheerleader is played by Natasha Leone um, and her sort of love interest, I guess, I suppose, is Clea Duval. And they're at uh, a camp and the, the whole story is based around a camp where they're going to um, to fix being gay. And obviously... Do you get to share rooms at those camps? Yeah. Silly. Silly. <laughs> um, they make them share rooms. And so they get up to all sorts of misadventures. And it's just a very tongue-in-cheek, um, I guess, light comedy um, that I think should appeal to you know both gay and straight audiences. That came out a while ago, I guess. But yeah, that was one of the first films I saw um, at a movie theater where there was you know the, that had a queer topic. I guess. Do you, do you remember your? I don't views remember on it? seeing it at the cinema, um, but I've certainly seen it. And look, it's one of my favorites. Like it's so camp and so tongue in cheek, and it just really um, makes fun about gender roles and sexuality. And it does it in such a funny way that you can't not help enjoy it. Mm. Um, Kat, you want to pass on that one? <laughs> I'm, pa- I'm passing. I was staring off into space thinking of other things. Okay. Um, another film I remember was about the same time that, that um, But I'm a Cheerleader came out was Better Than Chocolate. Oh, God. I've, I could talk about how much I hated that film forever. Okay. Now, the review for it is that it's political, sexy, funny, um, and apparently, according to some, they must like the Sarah McLaughlin song, um, has a great soundtrack. Um, <laughs> but it's essentially a love story, isn't it? Yes. Well, look, look. It's it's. It reminds me in terms of perhaps the kind of audience it's trying to reach. Of um, I don't know. If, I'm sure both of you have seen the um, the itty bitty titty committee. Um, Actually, um, the director of the itty bitty titty committee uh, directed, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh, oh there you yeah. go. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so look, I, I can imagine that you would think it was pretty amazing if you were quite young, but I just found it really um, cliched and a little politically naive, um, a little emotionally naive, um, a little bit, you know, relationshipy naive. You know, it's just, it brings so, together so many cliches. She meets this girl, they move in together after 15 minutes. Their very first night of, you know... Is that l- a cliche or a truth? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's art copying life or life copies art, I don't know. But, you know, and then they go home and they're, you know, not to spoil it for anyone who's going to watch it, but... um. 
and they roll themselves in, in paint and lie around on sheets oh, making body See, I think body I really like that, but I thought it was quite romantic. Yeah, well, I've got a friend that I also liked it. I watched it as a 20-year-old, though, yeah, and uh, I quite liked it. Like, yeah, yeah See, I, I watched it as a 35-year-old and went, oh, my God, are you serious? No, I think I watched yeah. it, you know, when it first came out or close to when it first mm. came out. Right. See, I, I also um, have been told that I'm perhaps not the most romantic person in the world. Um, so, no, it just made me want to vomit. Right, so it doesn't appeal to you then is what no. you're saying. Uh, um, now, Kate, you said you've got um, a semi-favorite or something you want to discuss at least when, uh, when night is falling? Uh, yes, when night is falling. I guess I watched this kind of maybe as a 17-year-old. It came out in 1995. And, uh, I mean, looking back, I haven't watched it in quite a few years and it probably... probably uh, be termed cliched now, I guess. <laughs> by cat. Yeah. yeah. By cat. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep during that film. Uh, and it's set in Canada, like like most lesbian films are. <laughs> and, uh, Why is that? Is that because, you know, funding is easier? I think or? funding is easier yep. in Canada for queer films. They say uh, it's a bit of the Hollywood of the North. Mm. Yeah. Um, Which is where um, The L Word was filmed yes. as well. Yeah. In Vancouver. Yep. All right. So, yeah, tell us about. Um, well, it's about Camille, who's a professor of mythology at the Conservative Christian College, and of course, what happens? She meets this, you know, beautiful exotic circus performer um, who brings and, her out of her shell. Yeah. Yep, and then yeah. she leaves religion and her fiance behind to um, follow life in the circus. Well, it's a bit of a conversion story. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like so many of them are, but it's beautifully um, shot as well. Like the cinematography is, you know, the cold harshness of winter in Canada mm. and the richness of the circus. I do remember that it was that, that it was really pretty. That there were very stark bits and there were very colourful, sort of rich bits. And um, yeah, I, I remember it did leave that kind of impression on me. Yeah, and then here's a I guess classic. If you're a lesbian, you've definitely seen this film, Go Fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's a story about you know it's Max who you know is apparently quite cool, who then meets an older, more nerdy character called um, Eli, and just you know their relationship and how it pans or doesn't pan out. Cat. Um, I liked it. <laughs> I'm not much of a, a, a film critic, you may have noticed. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. Um, so two thumbs up from Kat. Yeah, it was a while ago. No one can see my, my thumbs being up on the radio. But yeah, no, I, I, it was good. It was yep. good. Yep. It was better than, better than chocolate. That's good. Any other films, Kate, that you uh, want to Yep, about? another film I particularly like that I have a soft spot for is um, Love and Other Catastrophes. Oh, I loved that film. <laughs> this is one I haven't seen, so can you tell oh, us really? about it? Yeah. It's set at Melbourne yeah. Uni. Yeah, it's, oh. uh, it's this great uh, rom-com. Uh, it's actually directed by Emma Kate Krogan, who's a VCA graduate, and I think um, she made this shortly after graduating. Um, it's about these 20-somethings, you know, uh, living life at uni. Um, there's a lesbian couple in it, and um, one of the the Mia has a commitment issue and won't let her girlfriend move into their share house. And then her flatmate, Alice, is kind of looking for the one and has a list of criteria and mm. kind of follows her journey trying to find it. So I guess what was um, really refreshing about this film was it's not that uh, their sexuality is an issue, they just are lesbians and that's it. And it's yeah. just, you know, 20-something people hanging out. And it has all these kind of... Um, film references and in jokes, and it laughs at the bureaucracy of universities, and it's just which we all find which funny. we all yeah. work at a university <laughs> and yeah. find funny. And that so. was back in the day. It's a lot worse now. 
<laughs> I don't think I can legally comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been great sharing memories of of movies that have been significant to us in some way or another, <laughs> or, or, or not, or, or not, or not so significant. Be. But um, we'll we'll cut to some music, and after we come back, we'll talk to Kate about um, queer filmmaking. Welcome back. So um, that was another one of Kate's picks, um, Gemini. Is it Living Dreams? Yeah, Living Dreams. And then one of my favorites, My People, The Presets. All right, so we're just getting back to, um, to talking to Kate this evening. Um, so how how did you get into film? I wouldn't say the film business yet, but how did you get into film? <laughs> Hopefully soon. Into making film. Um, well, I guess I've always loved film. And a few years ago, I was looking at how to get more involved. Um, and I enrolled in a grad dip in cinema studies. Mm-hmm. And I found this was a really good way to you know sit there and dissect films and really understand the theory behind. But I was mm. still looking for a way to get involved in the actual making. So did that initially involve a lot of sort of watching films, critiquing them, sort of writing about them? Yeah, writing essays. So less practical? Yes, definitely um, no practical, more Mm. scene-by-scene analysis. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. And then, and then what happened? Um, and then I hunted around for a um, course that I could get involved in because um, I wasn't quite sure really how to get started. Um, and I enrolled in this uh, great course at the VCA, which is a part-time um, course called Film and Television Foundations. Um, and I just found this was a wonderful um, a course that I could do while I was working um, in that we had a lot of different industry experts to come in and talk to us and tell us about um, all the different aspects of practical filmmaking. There's a lot of filmmaking experts and I guess probably um, one of the best things was that you networked with a lot of um, people who are as passionate about learning to make films as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the course, uh, you kind of do two film exercises, and then at the end, you um, make your final five-minute piece. So what were the exercises? Um, the first one was a Super 8 exercise, um, which you had a minute um, to shoot a black-and-white film, no sound, um, and there was to be no editing. So every shot you had to take had to um, make it into the story. And actually, I got a cat to come in and <laughs> act in that film for me. I think it's actually... Up on YouTube. Cool. Oh, thanks for, yeah. thanks for that up, yeah. So, yeah. did you do you remember going back to that time? Did you have a really strong vision of what you wanted? Like, did you know, kind of in the back of your head, this is what I want, this is what it's going to look like, or did it kind of play out a little bit more organically than that? Um, no, I definitely. Uh, once I come up with the idea, um, I went into the shoot because uh, we only had one hour to shoot it, so it was very quick um, with a storyboard of what I wanted each shot to do. So I really had broken down into exactly how the film was going to look and how it was going to play out. And that had a queer theme as well, didn't it? Yes. All right, so tell what, what was that? <laughs> that was an awkward day. <laughs> um, that uh, was called The Actress, and it's, um, I guess it's about, uh, behind it, it explores themes of identity and the masks we perform and the roles we perform in society. Okay, cool. So that brings us to... Um, to the film that, that you just finished. Yes. Well, you finished a little while ago now, but yeah, tell us about that. Um, okay, so that was my final piece for the course. Um, and I kind of, I did uh, do the course over two years, so I broke it up. And in between, I did take some time to go and crew on other short films to get some experience. Um, but then when I came back, I felt I was quite ready um, to make Under Pressure. 
Uh, look, it's a really involved process. In I started writing it and rewriting this um, script for maybe about three months and probably went through maybe 12 to 15 um, different versions of the script. Got a lot of feedback from people. And again, did you know beforehand, did you have a story in your mind before you went in? Like, do you have a few stories floating around in your head? Is that how it works? Or Yeah, I had an idea in my head that I'd been rolling around for quite a while um, and I guess just bringing it out and developing it further. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, sc- the scariest bit is when you actually are forced to write it down and put your ideas on paper. So yeah. it's very easy to keep um, rolling ideas around <laughs> well, and I not remember- forcing yourself to write. <laughs> I remember at the time as well you were saying that you know you wanted to make, you'd always wanted to make a, a, a short film that was you know set in high school. And I remember thinking at the time it must have been really scary because once you've started it, like that's it, that is your high school film. So I know that in that position, I'd be kind of, I don't know, scared to commit to paper and commit to a script because once it's there, it's that's, that's it and it's not a dream anymore. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly, um, it's quite nerve-wracking when you first put your ideas out on paper. I remember the first feedback session we had with, um, you know, a group of my classmates and we were all sitting there and there was a writer who was going to give us feedback and I, uh, and I was just really, really nervous. Mm. Like, it was just, you're really putting yourself out there, I guess. But you survived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After those drafts. And then yeah. it, it got straight into the Queer Film Festival. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, well, there was a bit of work in between um, finishing the script. <laughs> I, I, know, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was certainly, it was a lot of pre-production and Kat was my uh, acting consultant slash production manager slash location organiser <laughs> slash who knows. Whatever needed to be yeah. done. Yep. <laughs> Person. Yeah. 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 Um, which was a great help. But it certainly um, was a lot to organise a location because we filmed in a school and to cast actors and to go through auditions. Um, so it was a really involved process where I don't think I saw many of my friends for most of several months, mm-hmm. I'd yeah. say. <laughs> um, but it was definitely worth it um, in terms of immersing yourself in it and, you know, it was a really positive experience for me. And and, and a great product as well. So. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what drives you as a writer slash director? What kind of messages, um, if any, are you trying to convey? Um, I guess for me, I'm interested in the human condition and people and people's relationships. I'm probably more interested in drama and drama slash comedy and stories um, like that. Um, Yes, I probably see that that's still the direction I'll continue to head. So you talked about the process of writing a little bit, um, but what about the process of directing a film? You know, this was essentially one of, you know, the first sort of, bigger pieces of work you've done what was that like um look it was a lot of organization um which is quite you really need to be on top of anything everything and I didn't have a um uh specific producer who would organize all of the um aspects of me mm-hmm. of of the film um well Very I guess of me and certainly, uh, because I crewed a lot on set, I had some ideas about, um, you know, directors who are awful to work with mm-hmm. and positive experiences. And I tried to make sure that 
um, the people that I brought together for my crew w- had a good time in that way. So what kind um, of director is a good director? Like, What do you want to be? Um, you need to trust people to do their roles on set and not micromanage. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be, as I guess, as focused and dedicated and as hardworking as your crew are. Um, you cannot spend lots of money on your production and then skimp on on food for the crew. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it's really important that um, all these people are here volunteering their time um, to you know bring your vision to life. And the least you can do is buy real coffee and make sure there's some <laughs> real uh, coffee is an important one in Melbourne. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. So no instant and things like that. And I guess um, on set. Or even in the the week in the lead up to pre-production and the two days of shooting, um, there comes a point where you can only organise so much and then you just have to know that the rest of it is just a leap of faith that all these 50 million different things you've organised will all come together. And they they did, didn't they? Yeah, and then everyone's doing their job. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So... uh, Great. So thank you for, you know, for sharing those experiences with us. Now tell us about... um, the Australian audience, you know, in your in your view, um, are they appreciative, supportive of queer film? What's the industry like here? Um, I don't know that there is a big queer film industry as such. Um, I think in some ways the Australian audiences are more open to some aspects of queer film. So, you know, if you look back and you look at Priscilla and you look at other things that Australian audiences are very um, supportive of cross-dressing males in film or there's certain characters which Australian audiences will accept. Um, And look, I I think that that queer themes and queer storylines are becoming a lot more mainstream anyway. Um, I mean, I think of the three or four television programs that I've been, you know, watching at any one time lately there's at least a one, if not two, gay storylines in each one of them. And Glee's pretty full of them as well. So. Yeah, Glee's got a couple going. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, I wanted to ask you, and because um, I was thinking about the, the lesbian kisses in at least two of your short films, um, how do you feel about the recent trend of uh, girl kisses or token gay characters in main, mainstream Hollywood films these days? Like, Does it piss you off or do you think it's a good thing? Oh look, um, I don't, I don't feel strongly that it pisses me off, but um, it's certainly, you know, there's a lot of times like I think, oh, what was it, Madonna and Britney kiss, and it's just, you know, it's just chasing um, publicity, and it just seems very hollow. Absolutely. Look, with um, what about with lesbian films in general? Um, where would you like to see the genre headed? Do you think it is? Um. Changing or is it a I genre? Hope, I yeah. hope so. I guess I'm tired of seeing lesbian films where there's a girl in a relationship with a boy and then she meets this other girl and then she becomes, uh, you know, and then she finds herself and becomes a lesbian. I can't watch any more films like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. Um, I think that, I mean, coming out is always a genre that will be important and those stories will need to be retold and retold and retold yeah. um, for, you know, uh, new generation. Yeah. But I would like to see a lot more lesbian films like Love and Other Catastrophes where they're they, where not they... dealing with gay issues as such, they're just dealing with life. With life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like that to be the focus. And so you've um, you've been a film fan 
forever, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to name a few of, of, you know, the films that really inspired you or, you know, changed you or made you want to be a filmmaker, you know, what would they be and why? Mm, well, that's quite a good question. Um, certainly one of my all-time favourites is The Royal Tenenbaums, um, which is directed by Wes Anderson. Um, and I just think that his films have this beautiful style um, about them, this beautiful aesthetic. Um, and he kind of always, uh, Wes always looks at the same sort of ideal, like the uh, failing patriarch within a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really kind of like that. Nothing about his style. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and I guess as a subset, I quite like uh, lesbian period drama. So looking at things like, I know they're strictly, they're not films, but things like Tipping the Velvet, mm. um, you know. Sarah- Which have become, you know, some of them, that, like the the remake of the miniseries at least, was it was quite good, I thought, yeah. yeah. And who doesn't yeah, like a lesbian period drama, like seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Which ones have you, you know, so there's the Sarah Waters ones. Yeah, so that's Tipping the Velvet and Fingersmith, which are the BBC remade mm. into miniseries. Um, I recently saw The Secret Diaries of Miss Ann Lister. Yeah, I saw that too. At Film Festival, um, and I quite like that as well. And I like that it was, you know, based on a real-life diary that she wrote code. Although I had um, some problems identifying with that character. I felt she was, um, I don't know, she felt quite weak to me. <laughs> or uh, the way that she, you know, this sort of unrequited almost love was disappointing, I thought. I don't know. Um, I guess I like my lesbian characters a bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, no, I, I'd argue and say that she was actually quite strong. For her time, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say that... Uh, well, you two agreeing over a, a film. More. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> no, in shock over this side of the bed. <laughs> yeah, but, but then you agreed. There was no shouting. Okay, uh, great. So we're going to play you some music and come back and talk to Kate a little bit more. Welcome back to Dystopical. You're listening to Joy 94.9. Um, and we're here with Kate LaFoe this evening. Now, Kate, you've just been telling us about your experiences um, making films and also just, you know, the films that you've loved and why. We usually have a section of the show called Dear Dystopical, and it's a bit of an agony aunt or a bit of an advice section um, for queer women or queer members of a community um, regarding, you know, whatever is topical that day. So, um, <laughs> so, so clever. Thanks. <laughs> so today, the question for you is, what kind of skills and experience do I need to start making a film? Where do I start? Um, I think the best way to get uh, started would be to get involved, whether it be a weekend course or, you know, something longer, like the course I did at VCA. There's a few different reputable film schools in Melbourne, such as Open Channel or Afters, and they just have weekend courses where you can sign up and get an overview. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important to get involved with other filmmakers and um, learn from each other and kind of learn how a set works. There's also a lot of opportunities to get involved as a volunteer to crew on student films. Um, VCA has a crewing night throughout the year and uh, coming up, I think in the next couple of months, there'll be a VCA Film and Television's Foundations course. We'll be having a crew crewing night where they come and pitch their ideas and you talk to them about whether or not you like to be involved in the roles you can do Um, and if you're just starting out um, a good position to ask for is a runner basically a runner is you'll help out on set with whatever's needed um, and pick it up so it doesn't really require a lot of experience but it's a great way of getting on set um, and learning about how things happen 
Well, thanks for that advice. Mm. I have to say, um, when I worked with you on your short film, and I'd never really worked on a film set before, and even though I wasn't doing any of those jobs, um, I was um, astounded at how much you can pick up just by wandering around and, and looking at what people do, and, and also uh, how almost daunting it is just how many jobs there are. Uh, like I certainly had a large crew, had yeah. maybe twenty people on set, but I mean it's definitely possible to make a film with you know only a handful of people, or if you've got a great story. Really, because uh, they all looked pretty busy to me. <laughs> <laughs> to find out more about Joy ninety four point nine, check out joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.